There we go. Good. Uh, I think I'm going to get up on the stage here. Let's see. I think that'll work. All right. I can kind of see here. Great. All right, so uh, what month is it? March. I, I know, but in the church. <laughs> Devoted to the apostles' teaching. All right. Is this real money? This is actual real money. Just sort of sitting there. Anyway, um, you know, Joe and I were talking about this um, about a month or so ago, and I thought, should we have lessons about the fact that we need to be in the apostles' teachings, or should we just have the apostles' teachings? And so we decided on Sunday morning, rather than have lessons about the fact that we should be in the Word, we thought we'll just do lessons from the Word. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so the the series then is from the Book of Philippians, and I, you know, you do the math there: four Sundays, four chapters. So that'll be great. So, uh, so this may, I don't know, possibly be even the only focus lesson, at least sort of like on the, yes, let's have good quiet times, let's be close with God in the Word this month, okay? So that's kind of the intention here. And so, of course, the, uh, the main verse is Acts 2.42, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Remember, we did a lesson in January about being devoted to prayer. And that word devoted means being given over to. We're giving ourselves over to. uh, To join in constantly. To give attention to. To give oneself over to. And so, uh, our encouragement then is to give ourselves over to the apostles' teaching and obviously, we think of that as, therefore, what? The Bible? It's fairly straightforward, right? Yeah. All right, so, uh, but we're going to start with a Bible quiz. Oh, oh. I thought it'd be fun. Oh, come on. Yeah, I'm with you. you and it's, it's closed book, but open group on your table, all right? <laughs> closed book, but open in your table, all right? Come on, this is an easy one. So, five minutes. Closed Bible, closed books, cell phones put away, cell phones put away, cell phones put away, David, cell phones put away, come on now, come on. There's easy ones and medium ones. Hey, 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 Oh, I can't see it anyway. <laughs> Is this your quiz group over here? All right, all right, all right. All right. Oh, they got the first one right. Come on, come on. Who's who's recording the answers? You don't have to, but... Okay. How's it going over here? Octave knows the Bible. He's doing it on his own. He doesn't need any help. All right. Okay.
to live is to live is to breathe. Huh? I I don't I don't know I, I'm not no hints for me. All right. We're done. One more minute. Oh, we don't need another minute. Well, good. One more minute. Okay, let's call it uh, done here. I, uh, some of the judges. Yes. Samson, good? Deborah. Gideon. Ehud. Jehu. Ehud was one of them. Shamgar, Ibzan, Abdon, Elon. Come on. All right. All right, where was Paul when he... That, this is the easy one. Where is Paul when he wrote Philippians? In, where? In Rome. Okay. Who did Paul send to Crete to appoint elders? Titus. Titus. All right. All right, let's do it all in unison. Paul said, for me to live is... Christ. Christ. All right, good. What book in the Bible deals the most with the question of suffering? Job. Okay. Who are David's father and grandfather? Jesse and Obed. Obed. All right, yes. All right. Did any, did any table get 100%? Shh, shh. Any tables get 100%? 90%? How can you get 90%? How can you get 90% out of six? All right. I could tell we got a competitive group out there. All right. So the first point is, why should we be devoted to the apostles' teaching? Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 13. Paul says to the Thessalonian church, he says, And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, you, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the human word, but it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Now, I mean... On paper, all of us know the Bible is the Word of God. But, you know, it's kind of awesome. We have the actual words of God spoken to us. We get to hear directly from the Creator of the universe. This is awesome stuff here, folks. This is the very words of God. 
you know, maybe we take it for granted a little bit. I mean, you know, it's not like obvious that you should be able to have God kind of speak to you directly. Another reason why we should be devoted to the apostles' teaching, 2 Peter 1.19. 2 Peter 1.19. Now, I admit that my two points here are, I suppose, for us as Christians, I guess, in a way, obvious. But, I don't know, maybe uh, if we really got this, we might be more devoted to God's Word. I don't know. 2 Peter 1.19. Alright, it says here, and I'm going to read through verse 21. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. You do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but prophets uh, were spoke from God as they're carried along by the Holy Spirit. See, we have the word of the prophets made more certain. And Peter's talking about his own experience. Because he grew up reading what we call the Old Testament, they would call it the Bible. And there are all these things about Jesus in there. In fact, the whole Old Testament anticipated the coming of Jesus. And then it happened before his very eyes. All these things that were said about the Messiah came true. So he's saying, uh, it, we have it much more certain. And it is inspired. I, I, you know, it's awesome. The Bible is inspired by God. What's that mean to you that's inspired by God? Any thoughts? Not the definition, you know, what's it mean to you personally that the Bible's inspired? Yeah. Well, I just think that, uh, you know, he wanted me to have the opportunity to know his desire mm-hmm. for me how to live. Okay. The fact, yeah. It's a message from God to me. All right, so it's directly from God to you. Good. The fact that it is inspired, right? Men were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It's not the prophet's own interpretation. Anybody else? What's it? Yeah. Ed. Okay. Okay, good. Speak up. All right, it's complete. It's everything you need, right? You're probably thinking of 2 Timothy 3.16. Yeah, go ahead. God made us and He knows what we need. So obviously, if He gave us this word, right. He's given us what we need. It's exactly what we need. Yeah. Completely reliable. Mm-hmm. None of us are completely reliable. All of us change our mind at one time or another. You know, David said, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I mean, it is a light. We can have confidence. We come into a situation and we know the truth regarding that situation because we have the Scriptures. So how do we know it's inspired? For a lot of reasons. I mean, think about those prophecies of the Messiah. They're pretty awesome. In Isaiah 53, verse 3, it says that he was despised and rejected. Isaiah 53, verse... Five, it says that he was pierced for our transgression. 
uh, Psalms 22, verse 16, it says, uh, he was, they pierced my hands and my feet. He was crucified. It said that the Messiah would have his, his uh, clothing gambled over and divided. In Micah 5, 2, it says that he'd be born in Bethlehem. In Isaiah 7, verse 2, it says that, uh, that he would come from, from Galilee, from the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. In uh, uh, Zechariah 11, verse whatever it says up there, I can't read it from here, it says that he'd be traded for how many pieces of silver? 30. 30 pieces of silver. And that the money be used to buy a potter's field. And what was that money used for? To buy a potter's field. In, in Zechariah 9, 9, it says that he would come into Jerusalem on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And then in Daniel 9, 24 and 25, it says, uh, you know, 77. It basically tells us that the Messiah is going to die in Jerusalem somewhere right around 30 A.D. I mean, this is the inspired word of God. We can have great confidence that what we're reading is true. Uh, a lot of other reasons that I, th- I say the Bible is inspired. Uh, if you read history, the Bible is by far, by far, the most reliable historical book from the ancient world, and there's no s- close comparison. The consistency of the message. Think about this. There are at least 50 authors of the Bible. Now, could we get 10 people in a room to all agree on the same basic message? At least 50 authors. Writing over a time frame of about 2,000 years, and yet it, it all agrees. Even though they had different perspectives. God spoke to us through through history, through poetry, through prophecy, through proverb, and through visions. And yet they all are telling us the same united message. God spoke to us through kings, through patriarchs, through poets, through scribes, through priests, through prophets, through prophetesses, Deborah, through government administrators, through farmers, and many more. And yet they all are telling us the same message. You know, it's interesting because God used each of the individual authors. He used their personality and he gave a message specifically geared towards the things that they could share. So we have Hosea, a farmer, and he uses farming analogies. He uses uh, Amos to tell us about social justice. Isaiah to talk about God's holiness. David to reveal to us the heart of God. Solomon to reveal to us God's wisdom. And yet it says in Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, He spoke to us various times in various ways, but in these last days He spoke to us through Jesus Christ. I mean, the, the consistency of this message, it, it's amazing. The fact that there's no contradictions. Now, I'm, I've written a few books, and I guarantee you, I contradict myself many times. In, in my own things that I've written, I've changed my mind, how could it be they could have at least 50 different authors over 2,000 years and, and they never contradict each other? I mean, that's pretty amazing. And not only that, there's the scientific accuracy of the Bible. You know, I was, I was uh, hanging out with a bunch of, of, of science professors in this van one time and this, this lady said, Oh, you can't trust the Bible full of science errors. Did you know in the Bible it says if people wear two different materials, capital punishment. 
And I, I said, excuse me, the Bible doesn't say that. She said, oh, yes, it does. I saw it at a website. And I said to her, you know, people say the Bible has all these science errors. I've read it through half a dozen times. I haven't found one yet. I don't know what they're talking about. All kinds of reasons. Another thing about the Bible, the Bible is the greatest book ever written on child raising. The Bible is the greatest book ever written on psychology. The Bible is the greatest book ever written on finances, right? Yes. Amen. We got finance guy over there. It's the and over here as well. That's right. The greatest book ever written on ethics, on child raising, on marriage, on personal finance. And we just go right down the list. We are lucky to have this Bible. Hopefully, you're taking advantage of it. It's the greatest book of philosophy as well. Another reason the Bible is inspired is because Jesus was raised from the dead and he said it's inspired, so I guess I'm probably going to believe him because he was, after all, raised from the dead. Another reason that I believe the Bible is amazing and inspired is because it actually works. I mean, if you put it into practice, it changes your life. I like John 7, 17. That's kind of an interesting. Let's read that one. John 7, 17. All right. This is one that maybe you don't notice too often. I'll start in verse 16. Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. In other words, he's claiming that his teaching is inspired. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Basically, he says, All right, you're struggling with believing what I'm saying. Well, just do it. You know, just do what it says and you'll see that it works. All right. Another reason I know the Bible is inspired is just because it's been faithfully transmitted and translated and a bunch of other reasons. So that's pretty awesome. All right. So now, all right, fine. So we, there's good reason to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. But then the question is, fine. Are you devoted to the apostles' teaching? All right. So what are we going to do about that? Let's go to Numbers 11, verse 4 through 6. Now, I know every man in this room would agree with the proposition that we ought to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. Amen. Yeah, you got I believe every man in this room would agree with the statement that they want to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. All right, great. Like James said, you, you even the demons believe in shudder, okay? So, uh, you know, hopefully we're going to, you know, kind of actually put this into practice. Uh, uh, Numbers 11, uh, verse 4 through 6. Now, he's not talking about the Word of God, but you'll, you'll see the analogy here. The rabble would then begin to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. And the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the carne asada fries, the onions, the garlic. Now we've lost our appetite and we never see anything but this manna. They had the bread of God every morning and they were bored. They weren't excited about it anymore. How many of you have ever had a boring quiet time? All right. Well, you know, that's going to happen. All right, but 
I, I really think that we need to be tempted. We don't want to be tempted to have this attitude of like, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll be reading a spiritual book and I'll come to the part where it's a scripture and I skip that part. You know, I've, I've read that enough times, you know. I don't really need to read that one again. I'll just read the good stuff, all the other stuff. Anybody, can you can you relate to that a little bit? Yeah, sometimes we go through the motions. But in Deuteronomy 8, 6, it says, Man does not live upon bread alone, but upon every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. It, are the Scriptures your food? Is it something you feed on? Every morning... Every day, do you feast on this amazing thing, which is the Word of God? I don't know about you, but I am very excited about reading the Scriptures. I mean, it, it's something that, I don't it just it just gives me energy. Amen. I've been doing it for 39 years. On, and I'm telling you, I, every time, it's like a well that is without bottom. I was I was doing some study and I was doing a class on the book of John for the L.A. church uh, last weekend, the weekend before. And I'm just reading through the book of John. And I just noticed, it's like the parallels between Moses and Jesus. And I realized that the book of John is just filled. I mean, every time you turn around, there's all these parallels between Moses and Jesus. I, I don't know how many times I've read the book of John. I don't know how many times I've read it. And I never noticed it. I mean, it's just a whole layer. It's just, and now I'm reading the book of John one time, and like, oh, I'm just, wow, oh, that was so cool. Oh, that's, man, that's that's such a great example. And then I go and I teach it to somebody else. I get excited about that. How about you? Are you devoted to the apostles' teaching? Now, for my lesson tonight, I really only have one verse. Well, I've read a few other verses, but the one that we're going over, all right? It's Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. Even though we're just getting to our only point of the whole class tonight, pretty much, we're about two-thirds of the way done. We're about two-thirds of the way done. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. Now, I gave a lesson a little bit kind of sort of like this, I don't know, a couple months ago in the toolbox thing. Uh, hopefully... You won't find this lesson boring if it's a little bit like that one. That was a joke. All right. Hebrews 5. It wasn't very funny. I only had one person laugh at that joke. All right. Thank you for laughing, Tim. All right. We have much to say about this. Much to say about what? About this whole Melchizedek thing and the whole priesthood thing and all that kind of deep stuff. But it's hard to make it clear to you all right? And it's because, he says, you're slow to learn. Slow to learn. These, uh, these Christians were slow to learn. In fa- it says, in fact, though by now you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ 
And let us be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing and rites, about baptisms, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. And then he goes on, he takes a little bit deeper, and he starts talking about Melchizedek and all that stuff. And he says to these guys, your ears are dull. The word is nothros. That's not a good word. It means slow-moving. Torpid. That's a good word. Torpid. Look that word up. I think it'll say nothros or something. Witlessly forgetful, dull of hearing. He's saying, you know, God's been speaking to you and you just haven't gotten it. You've been hearing the Scriptures, but you haven't really applied it. You haven't thought deeply about it. You're kind of like the doctor who said, you know, I've been a doctor for 50 years. What I, was, what I had in, in medical school 50 years ago, that's good enough for me. You know, a lot of us believe the f- things we learned the first two or three or four years as a Christian, and we pretty much stop learning. We haven't grown. We haven't grown in our knowledge of the Scriptures. And, and that's not good. That's not good. Some of us have a case of arrested development, right? I never actually watched that show, but it's got a great title. I, I don't know what the show's about. I don't know, but it's about... Uh, it, you know, so God, Jesus called us to be childlike, but I'm afraid in our knowledge of the Scriptures, some of us are more like childish than childlike. Do you ask those questions? Are you willing to dig deep? Or do you just kind of, you know, put in your time, in your quiet times? Uh, brothers, we need to be prepared to give an answer. Alright? And I'm afraid some of us really aren't sufficiently prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks us to give the reason for the hope that we have. Could you explain to somebody why Christianity and not another religion? Could you go to the passages on that? Could you... Uh, you know, answer the question, why are there all these people getting killed in the Old Testament? How's that consistent with God being a loving and merciful God? Could you answer that question? Could you, could you explain why there's so much suffering in the world? Could you explain why baptism is not a work? Because, you know, they say we're saved by grace, not by works. All right. And baptism is obviously a work. So how are we saved by baptism? By the way, it's not. But could you find a few scriptures that kind of explain that? Uh, you, know, you know, sometimes when you're studying with somebody, you make a point, and they say, I have to go back and talk to my pastor to find out the answer to that one. I'm afraid some of us are kind of like that already. <laughs> I, we're, we're a little bit more sophisticated. We don't say, I'm going to go talk to my pastor or my, my evangelist. But I, I really want to challenge us to have a deeper knowledge. We need to engage our mind in the task of getting to know God. He says in verse 13 here, some of them are on milk, not solid food. Are you willing to, to maybe you know, buy a, a book that might kind of delve more deeply into the Scriptures and maybe, I don't know, maybe look up the grammar and a little bit of the Greek and the history background behind that. Do you do that kind of stuff? Or you just sort of sit down and read, all right, we're not going to read today. Great, all right, that was yesterday. What I'm going to read today, 
I'd like to challenge us to do a little bit more than that. He says, we need to move beyond the elementary teachings of repentance and faith and baptism and the Holy Spirit. We need to keep growing. Now, I I think I shared uh, this, a little bit of this in the other lesson. I kind of shared what my personal vision is. And there's two things. Number one, I want to know the entire Bible in depth. I'm serious. I want to be able to, you know, basically uh, pick any book in the Bible. I could write down an outline. I could give you the background, the setting, the theme, the theme verse. You know, that, that's my goal. And that, that doesn't happen just by accident. Another thing, I don't know, some of you saw Sam Lang speaking this week. And one thing I noticed about Sam is Sam thinks in Bible. I don't know if you noticed that. The dude does not need notes. And when he starts talking, he'll just kind of break into quoting this scripture and then, you know, thinking about that and then this other scripture. So I want to have my language be Bible. I want to be a person who can literally think Bible. All right? So it's kind of like my language. So I say, you know, there's that carver there. Yeah, it's kind of like Isaiah 7, verse 2. And, you know, I see that, that person over there kind of, you know, yeah, that's kind of like, you know, uh, I don't know, John chapter 4, verse 7. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I want to be so deeply immersed in the scriptures that I, that I can, like David, meditate on, on, on them all day long. I think some of us have some rust on our sword. I think we need to oil that sword. We need to sharpen that sword and start using that sword. Amen? Amen. I'll give you a couple of practicals. This might even be a little bit similar to the ones I gave a couple months ago. All right, but a few things. Uh, don't just show up at church. Engage. I don't know. Are you, are you sitting there listening to the sermon, or is your mind engaged in the sermon? Now, we're doing a series on Philippians. Maybe, what do you think maybe you should do then? Read the book of Philippians. What else might you want to do? Study the book of Philippians. Get a commentary on the book of Philippians. They're expensive. No, they're absolutely free. It's called the Internet. You know? Right? You know cause seriously, I, I, I think we're in the habit, and I, I fall into this habit too as well, obviously. We're in the habit of just kind of showing up and kind of letting it all happen. But I say, you know, if we're going to be reading the book of Philippians this month, why don't you actually study it? I, I'm going to kind of narc on the on the interns. I, I'm teaching a class on hermeneutics for the church interns, and I gave them a homework assignment, and we came back th- th- three weeks later. I said, how many of you did the homework assignment? None of them. Oh, oh. All right. We had a little, a little discussion. Because honestly, I think they were acting the way a lot of us act. We just kind of, you know, go along and, and and we're not really actively trying to grow in our knowledge. So, you know, I'm I'm tattling on them, but anyway, they they repented and they're going to do great. So I'd say. Um, Another suggestion is, you know, we have in-depth Bible classes. Shannon comes to a lot of those. Carlos comes to almost all of them. Rudy, a lot of guys. But we're going to have a class on Acts next fall. Now, I understand 
Parents with little kids, you know, pro- you know, probably can't go, but maybe you could go. Let's let's go to some of those in-depth Bible classes. We're going to have a class on Acts in the fall. Study out a doctrine. Work through a hard question. Begin memorizing scriptures. Oh, my last piece of advice. Let's pray about it. Brothers, we have the very words of God. The manna from heaven. Let's eat that manna. All right, thank you. So, do a group discussion, or uh, we're going to go into our groups, and I, I would encourage you just to uh, first off, just I'm grateful for John just shared and spoke yeah, about. Then, yep. um, so take a look and go. How is my Bible study? All right, yeah. You know, in your group.